0: Good morning church, it's good to be with you today on this live stream and then also uh, appreciate so much your willingness to participate with us today in this time of worship through the word and I'm looking forward to what the Lord has put on my heart to share with you today during this very difficult and and challenging time that we're we're all going through together in our church family but in our state and our nation and the world. Uh, today. You know, I've been thinking about some of the unusual circumstances that I experienced just this last week. I mean, the normal circumstances uh, that all of us are experiencing is very limited travel. I've been to the grocery store, I've been to Lowe's, and I have been to uh, pick up food uh, for us to eat. And that's been pretty much the extent of our travel Uh, Another limited circumstance, uh, unusual circumstance, is I've gone to the store nearly every day to find hand sanitizer and I can't find any. And uh, I have gone to multiple stores practicing social distancing and I can't find any. And there's other items like that that the shelves are just totally cleared out and remain cleared out. And so that's another thing that I've personally experienced. Uh, I went to a drive-in graveside service this week that's the first time I've ever done a drive-in graveside service where the majority of the people at the graveside service were sitting in their cars and they had a speaker outside of uh, the little um, tent that they put up at graveside services so that we and that were sitting in the cars or some got out like I did, I was standing by myself at a distance, could hear what was being said by the minister and the preacher. And so I think each one of us could think about some unusual circumstances that we're all experiencing uh, along with the normal circumstances, at least what has become the new normal for most of us now as we continue to practice social distancing from one another. You know, one of the things that I praise God for that's an unusual circumstance is that we have not had anyone in our church family in the hospital since this began. And that is, it's been 18 days, and not one person has been in the hospital. And I've been praying that the Lord would keep you in good health uh, during this time because my heart goes out to those people who have to go to the hospital and they can only have one person from their family with them, and no one else can visit. And I thought, how terrible that would be, how hard that would be. It's already a difficult circumstance. So I just praise the Lord that at this point that we have had no one uh, in the hospital that needed a visit from me or one of our team members or even one of our small group leaders. And I just want to encourage you to continue to pray for the health of our congregation. I've been praying for everyone that's under my leadership, whether it's my family or whether it's our church family. I've been praying that God would bless us during this time. And uh, I've been praying for perfect health during this time. Now I understand that perfect health for all of us uh, is limited to this temporal world. There will come come a time when our bodies will not be perfectly healthy and uh, we will go and be with the Lord. But uh, I've been praying for that, for the souls of the people in our congregation. And I would encourage you to pray that way with us as we go through this together. Continue to pray for God's protection for all of our church family, the members of your small group. And uh, we will join with you in that prayer. Today is the end of a series of messages called Powerful Prayers. And this morning, I want to share with you a story from Luke 18, 1 through eight. And it is a story that will be retold this week in your small groups. And I'm gonna start out this morning just by reading you this story that, that is from the life of Jesus. And, and then I want to uh, share some things with you uh, from this story after we unpack some things that are in this story. Luke 18 and one through eight says this, then he spoke a parable to his disciples, it says them, but it's to his disciples, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And then he said this parable, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God and he did not regard man. So he was a wicked judge, he was an unrighteous judge, he didn't fear God. And there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she wearies me. And then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And then the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? We all know that Jesus had given his disciples a mission. In fact, we say that his calling to that mission bookends uh, the Gospels. At the beginning of the Gospels, when Jesus began his public ministry, he called his disciples to that mission by saying, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then at the very end of his time with them here upon the earth, he reiterated that mission where he said that they were to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything that he had commanded to them. And so we know what the mission of the disciples was, and it's also our mission as disciples of Jesus. It was to go and be a disciple and make disciples for Jesus. One of the greatest spiritual threats to disciples of Jesus fulfilling their mission was losing heart, losing heart. And so Jesus started off this story by saying he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Do you know what it means to lose heart? It comes from a Greek word and It can have a variety of different meanings, uh, different shades of meaning depending upon a particular circumstance that a person is in. For example, the word lose heart that Jesus used here can mean to be afraid. Certainly fear is something that can cause us to lose heart. To lose heart can mean to become discouraged, especially when you've gone through uh, disappointment. Uh, the death of a vision, the death of a dream, then you can lose heart and become discouraged. Uh, To lose heart means to become weary or tired in well-doing. And I think all of us have experienced that at times where we've worked and worked and worked and uh, not seen the results that we wanted, and we can lose heart. We can become weary or tired in well-doing. The word itself can also mean to despair, to despair of life itself. To lose heart can mean to despair of life itself, where life gets so bad that you don't want to live any longer. And then to lose heart means just to faint. It means to feel a certain way emotionally that causes us to want to just quit. And so Jesus began this story by telling them that he was going to share with them a parable to encourage them that men should always pray and not lose heart. You know, their mission was to make disciples that make disciples. And so Jesus wanted them to know that there was a possibility that they would be tempted to quit because they would lose heart. And he wanted them to avoid that. Jesus knew that as his disciples carried out their mission, that they were going to experience some very, very difficult circumstances that would cause them to lose heart and just want to quit their mission. As I look at those circumstances that Jesus was concerned about for his disciples, we need to understand something. At the top of his list of circumstances that would cause these disciples to lose heart, was persecution. That's what he was concerned about the most. And he talked a lot about that with his disciples. Now, why was this at the top of his list? Well, we need to understand some background here to Jesus' concern if we're really going to unpack this. You see, the prophets of Israel said that the Messiah would come and establish his kingdom in Israel. And the the prophets of God in the Old Testament said that the capital of this kingdom would be in Jerusalem. And from Jerusalem, the Messiah would not only rule Israel, but the Messiah would actually rule the entire world. Well, his disciples understood these prophecies about the Messiah, and they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And so his disciples wanted to know when he was going to establish this kingdom upon the earth. Well, Jesus, in the previous chapter before this parable, he told them uh, what they wanted to know uh, to some extent. He told them what was going to happen on the earth before he came and established his kingdom on the earth. And one of the things that he told them more than once is he told them that he was going to suffer injustice from the hands of men. Now, they didn't understand what that meant. I don't know how they missed it because it was very clear as we read it in the Gospels today. But through their lens, they didn't really get it. But Jesus told them that before this kingdom comes on the earth physically, where I'm ruling the world, that I'm gonna to have to suffer this incredible injustice at the hands of men. And then he also told his disciples that after he suffered this injustice, that they and those that believed in him because of their testimony were going to suffer incredible injustices because they were his followers. And we know from historical tradition and from the scriptures that that's exactly what happened. Uh, all of the 12 apostles suffered incredibly for being followers of Jesus. They were persecuted, and all of them died with the, uh, from uh, that persecution with the exception of John, who was rescued from uh, a pot of boiling oil, and he lived out the remainder of his life on the island of Patmos, and he became an old man. But they were all suffered incredibly for following Jesus. And Jesus, when he was telling them this story and this parable, you see, he had that in mind. He knew what they were going to experience. You know, we can read in the book of Acts how Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul the apostle, was the ringleader of activists for the persecutions of Christians in Israel. And we have a record in the book of Acts of how a mob stoned Stephen to death. We also can read in ancient history how the Roman emperor Nero had Christians covered with wax, hung up on poles, and then set fire to those believers in order to light up his garden parties. Christians also, we know from history, were used for sport as prey for lions and wild dogs in the Roman Colosseum. So Jesus could look into the future, and he knew that not only was he going to suffer this incredible injustice from the hands of men, but he also knew these disciples were going to experience this incredible suffering as a result of being his followers Well, he understood that when you suffer for being his followers, you're going to be tempted to lose heart. You're going to be tempted to want to quit. So he tells them this story that we just read about this widow that was treated unjustly, and he uses this story to show them how to avoid losing heart. Now, widows and the elderly in general are particularly vulnerable to scammers and being treated unjustly. We hear stories of that every day, even now, so the time it hasn 't changed has it So widows could be taken advantage of by people that didn 't have their best interest at heart and apparently that 's what happened to this particular widow in this particular city that Jesus was relating this parable about. And she wanted justice from the judge and she made an attempt to get justice, but her attempt was unsuccessful. But she didn't lose heart, she didn't give up, and she just continues to bring her appeal over and over again to the judge. And she obviously believed that her appeals would make a difference, or she would not have continued to come to the judge and make those appeals for justice. Well, this judge, the scripture says, had no regard for justice and he had no regard for God and his righteousness. But because he grew weary of this widow's persistent request, he relents and he avenges her. In other words, he made the wrong right and she won her case. Well, the point Jesus made to his disciple was, even an unrighteous judge will relent and avenge a widow if she believes her persistent appeals will make a difference. Well, Jesus had already promised his disciples that he would return and avenge them. You know, when they were going through suffering, they needed to have faith that Jesus at some point was going to return and their suffering was going to be worth it. They, it was gonna, he was going to make all wrong things right. And they needed that faith. And Jesus, in the previous chapter and in other places in Scripture, had promised them that even though they suffered due to the persecution, there would come a time when he would return and he would make right all wrong. And he, he had given them that that promise that that was going to happen. They had something more reliable, you see, to stand on than this widow's hope that by her persistence, she would change the heart of an unrighteous judge and get what she wanted. They had the very words of Jesus to stand on and believe in as they went through the persecution. And Jesus was telling them Look, you need to be like the widow. <laughs> Don't lose heart. Don't give up. You've got something more reliable to stand on than even this widow had that at some point I am going to return and I'm going to make everything that is wrong right. You know, the command is interesting in the very first part of the verse. Jesus told his disciples basically that the way that you avoid losing heart is to always pray. He said that men ought to always pray. Now it appears that we have some very difficult days in front of us. I wish I had better news this morning about the circumstances in our society, but every day up to this point in time, the news that I receive only gets worse. Uh, The mayor of Oklahoma City declared yesterday that he, uh, we are under a shelter-in-place order in Oklahoma City through April the 16th. Uh, nearly every day, we receive new reports of people losing their jobs or their hours are being greatly reduced. We're constantly hearing the, uh, news reports about the potential damage of this virus, the potential damage this shutdown could cause to our economy, and the potential damage this shutdown could cause in our society. And I want you to understand that I believe that those dangers are very, very real as we hear those reports. And I take all of those uh, reports very seriously as I hear them. And I I know our president has taken these reports very seriously. And as a result, he's attempted to reduce the damage by approving a stimulus package and suspending certain debt payments. And so he's doing what he knows to do or what he thinks he can do to reduce the damage that's being caused by the current circumstances. But you know what, at this point in time, no one knows when this shutdown is going to end. We have no idea how long this will go on. You know, nearly every day, I receive some reports about tensions that are rising in families. And that's only natural for that to happen. Last night, they were posting on the news broadcast that I was watching a number that people could call if they were suffering from domestic abuse. You know, it's got to be incredibly hard for families where uh, there is already great tension in those families to go through this circumstance. It's only going to make those tensions even greater. Well, in the midst of this incredible trial that our world is experiencing, that we in the church are experiencing, church, we still have a mission to perform. We have a mission to perform. Our mission has not been canceled like so many other things that have been canceled. We're called to make disciples. That is the purpose of our existence. When God is through with me making disciples, then my life will end. My life will continue to extend on the earth as long as God wants me to fulfill that purpose. But there will come a point when my purpose here will be done, and at that point in time, I don't want to live a day longer than that. I want to go on and meet my master at that particular time. But that's our purpose for us being here, is to make disciples. And because of modern technology, we can shelter in place and still connect with people. It's really incredible. I can't imagine what life would be like if this would have happened 30 years ago instead of happening today we would be entirely isolated uh, except by some landline uh, telephone uh, if this had happened 30 years ago. And so I'm very grateful for modern technology and our ability uh, to connect with people while we shelter in place. Because our main strategy as a church is to make disciples through small groups, our small group leaders can still connect with their members and their members of the small groups can still connect with one another and, and carry on the ministry of discipleship through our small groups. All of us can stay connected through, uh, through our small groups, and we can all continue to be the church. And I'm very grateful for that. Because of modern technology, all of us can be a witness to the lost. And we can even invite those who don't know Jesus to uh, stay connected or get connected with one of our small group meetings. And in those small group meetings, as they join our small groups uh, online, uh, we can uh, share the gospel with them. So the ministry of discipleship can, can go on through our church because of modern technology and because our small groups can continue to meet. So we can stay connected. We can stay connected to the church And we can stay connected to our purpose as disciples of Jesus through this time. You know, being connected, we have discovered in the Word of God that being connected to our church and to our purpose is just critical to our personal spiritual health and growth. It is absolutely not good for man to be alone. And we need to be with the body of Christ. And also, we have discovered that it's not good for man to be without a purpose, a significant purpose in life, a purpose that gives us meaning in life. And so, having purpose in life and being connected to the church is absolutely critical to our personal spiritual growth and our spiritual health. But, you know, there's one connection, there's another connection, besides being connected to our purpose and besides being connected to our church Family through our small groups, there's one other connection that we must make, develop, and maintain during these difficult days that is absolutely vital and critical to our spiritual health and our spiritual maturity. If we're going to avoid losing heart, we not only should stay connected to our purpose and stay connected to our church family. But we must develop our personal connection to God through prayer. And I want you to understand that as the pastor at Western Hills, this is my greatest concern for you as a member of the body of Christ. That you have a personal connection with God through prayer. And what an excellent time it is for all of us to be developing that personal connection with God through prayer. Because, you see, that's going to keep you from losing heart more than anything else is having that personal connection with God through prayer. And when I say it's a great time to do it, you know, so many times when I've encouraged people to develop their personal connection with God through prayer They'll say things to me like, well, I, I'm just too busy. Well, I want you to understand that's not a problem right now. You are not too busy to be spending time with God and developing your personal connection with him through prayer. We have all, a lot of time. We have more time than we need to seek God and to be personally connected to him through prayer. What Jesus said to his disciples in this story You see, it's what Jesus is saying to us today. If you want to avoid losing heart as you go through this difficult circumstance that we're in right now, then you, Jesus said, men should always pray and not lose heart. You know, I want to take a few minutes this morning and share with you some practical lessons about developing your personal connection with God through prayer. Since Jesus clearly said, men ought always to pray and not lose heart, you know when I became a Christian, I knew very little about prayer i before i was a Before I became a christian uh, I would say that I would throw up some flare prayers when I got backed into a corner, and i would you know when I was desperate, I might say a prayer to God and uh You know, maybe half mean it when I prayed it. And I knew very little about prayer before I became a Christian. But when I became a Christian, one of the things that surprised me was I learned from the scripture, from people teaching me the scripture, that even Jesus devoted himself to prayer, to his heavenly Father. Now, I knew. Jesus was the son of God. That's the way I became a believer. I confessed him as Lord and Savior and asked him for forgiveness of sin. But it struck me when I read in the scripture that even Jesus devoted himself to prayer to his heavenly father. That was important to him. And if I was going to be a follower of Jesus, then I needed to follow him. What was important to him needed to become important to me. And it was obviously from the scripture, it was important to him. Let me read to you in Luke five fifteen. It says, however, the report went around concerning him all the more. He was healing people and doing signs and wonders. And so the word was getting out and more and more people were knocking on his door, looking for help. And great multitudes came together to hear him and to be healed by him of their infirmities. But then look what it says in verse 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Notice the word often. He often, frequently. What did Jesus say to his disciples? He said, men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. Jesus often, it says, withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. I was then, as a young Christian, uh, I was introduced to a guide, and it was a little guide, and it was, it was not long. and it just, the guide was called, How to Have a Quiet Time. How to Have a Quiet Time. A quiet time is a time that you personally devote to be alone with God every day in prayer. And when I was given that particular little guide, I, I made a commitment when I was 17 years old to follow Jesus and have a daily quiet time in prayer to help me develop my personal relationship with the Father, to help me develop my personal connection with the Father. I realized that I knew very little about the Bible, and also I knew very little about God. And in order for me to grow in my understanding and also in my character, I needed to learn more. And so I made this commitment after it was introduced to me to have a daily quiet time. And I was told that in order to be consistent in having a daily quiet time, I needed to follow Jesus. Well, that made sense to me because that's what I was in it for, was to follow Jesus. And in order to follow Jesus, I was told in order to be consistent in my quiet time, I needed to determine these things. You see, Jesus had a time that he went to pray with the Father. Jesus had a place that he went to pray to the Father, and Jesus had a plan for his prayer time with the Father. Now listen to these verses and see if you can hear the time and the place and the plan. Mark 1.35 says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and he departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. And so what was the time? Well, it was early in the morning when no one was around was the time. And then what was the place? Well, it was a solitary place. And there he prayed. In Matthew 14, 23, it says, And when he had sent the multitudes of the people came, he was alone there. And so what was the time? Well, it says that he had sent the multitudes away. It was evening. And then it says, where was the place? Well, it was another remote place. He went up on a mountain to pray. In Luke 11 verse 1, it says, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And so he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So Jesus had a time that he went to pray, he had a place, it was solitary place, and then he gave his disciples this plan that he wanted them to use in their prayer life. And so Jesus had a time, Jesus had a place, and Jesus had a plan. And I was told that if I was gonna be uh, consistent in my prayer time with the Father, that I needed to have a time and I needed to have a place, and I needed to have a plan. I want you to understand those three things from the life of Jesus were life changers for me. I needed some structure in my life. I don't know about you, maybe you don't need any structure, but I certainly needed structure to do those things that were gonna benefit me personally in my spiritual life. You know, the time and the place and the plan that I've used, they've changed over the last 48 years, but I still, to this day, have a time, I still have a place, and I still have a plan to pray to the Lord. And as a result, I've remained continuously, personally connected to God through prayer for all of these 48 years. And without question, I would tell you that following this counsel has been the single most important practice in my life. There is not a more important practice in my life than having a time, having a place, and having a plan, and carrying it out to meet with the Lord in prayer. It has kept me countless times from losing heart and and quitting. When people ask me about endurance, (laughs) the first thing that comes to my mind is I meet with the Father in prayer. That's how I endure. That's how I don't lose heart, and that's how I avoid quitting those things that are most important to God. Now let me ask you a question. I know we're going through this together right now, and I think that over the next days and weeks, we're all gonna be tempted to lose heart. And I believe that as we're tempted to lose heart, whether or not we do or not, don't lose heart, it's going to be whether or not we stay connected to our purpose to make disciples, whether or not we stay connected to the church through our small groups, and whether or not we are connected to God personally through having regular times of prayer alone with him. But let me ask you, besides this circumstance, what causes you to lose heart and want to quit? For example, how does loss of relationships impact you? Have you ever wanted to quit because of a loss of relationships? Or how about a loss of results? In other words, you've worked hard at something expecting a certain result, but you didn't get the results that you wanted from all the hard work that you put in to whatever it was. Does that cause you or tempt you to lose heart? How about loss of reputation? Have you had someone that has just slandered you and said bad things about you that aren't true? Or maybe they've said things that are, there's a measure of truth in them, but the whole truth is not true, and, and your character is being seriously defamed because of a, something that someone else has said. How does loss of reputation affect your soul? Does it cause you to lose heart? How about loss of opportunity? I mean, you really thought that perhaps you were gonna get this promotion at work, And when it came down to it, someone else got the promotion and you did not receive the opportunity. Or that could happen anywhere. It can happen at church. It could happen on an athletic team where there's a loss of opportunity. Does that cause you to lose heart? How about a loss of finances? We know that causes people to lose heart. You can read about it. You can read about it in the Bible. You can read about it in in American history about times in the Great Depression where men just literally lost heart as a result of the loss of finances and they took their own lives. How about loss of job? Wow, that's difficult. Would that cause you to lose heart? Or loss of health, something that if we live long enough, all of us experience at one degree or another, does that cause you to lose heart or tempt you to lose heart? Or how about just the loss of a loved one? I know for a fact that's my greatest, my greatest temptation to lose heart. For my experience, losing a loved one is the hardest experience that I've ever been through, and it tempted me to just totally lose heart, to quit, and to give up. You know, as I have gone through personally each one of these experiences, what I would say to you is having a daily quiet time where I'm meeting with the Lord. And enjoying his his fellowship has been the single most important practice in my whole life, and has kept me from losing heart and quitting. How about you? How about you? You know, in my life, you know, uh, I found that. When I would try to start this routine, my flesh did not want to cooperate. If I needed to get up early in the morning, my flesh did not want to get up and meet with God. Or if I was going to meet with God at night, my flesh wanted to go to sleep rather than meet with God at night. My flesh was resisting this, but also the devil did his best to keep me from establishing this routine in my life. And I want you to know in those early days of my life that there were times where it was really, really difficult uh, to develop this routine. And you know, I've gone to God many times after a season of neglecting prayer in my life. I've gone to God and, and repented for allowing the flesh and the devil to win on certain days or during certain seasons of my life. I've repented and said, God, I know how vital this is. I know how important this is. And I repent for neglecting it in my life. And I've started all over again. And God is very gracious and very merciful. And, uh, and so, you know, he has is, he is <laughs> acknowledged my confession and obviously he accepts me based upon the blood of Jesus. You know, but early on in my Christian walk, I learned some very important lessons about being alone with God that eventually caused me to become consistent in meeting with the Lord and being encouraged by the Lord. And here's some of the things that were very important to me that I discovered very early on that provided a foundation for my prayer life. One of them is this, spending time alone with our Heavenly Father is an incredible privilege. Just think about it. The Bible tells us about this privilege in Hebrews 4 and 14 through 16 and other places. But you and I, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been granted access to the holy of holies. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We've been given the incredible privilege because of what Jesus did by being our high priest that died for our sins. We've been given this incredible privilege privilege to just enter in to the presence of the Lord and enjoy his fellowship both now and forever. I want you to understand, understanding that truth that this was a privilege that I've been given that not every man shares. It's available to every man and woman, but I want you to know not everyone has received the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I have this incredible privilege to just meet with the God of the creation, the God of the universe, the creator of all things. He wants an appointment with me. (laughs) And I have this privilege that's been given to me. You know, I would rather meet with the Father than meet with the President of the United States or the Vice President of the United States or any senator or legislature or any popular person in our society. What a privilege it is according to the scripture. That was very important to me being consistent is to keep in my mind, boy, this is a privilege. I don't wanna take it for granted. And then another lesson that's been very important to me as far as becoming consistent in prayer is understanding this truth about God. Our Heavenly Father delights in being alone with us. He delights in being alone with us. I get that as a father. I want you to know I delight in being alone with my children. I love to go to lunch with them. I love to go to dinner with them. I love to talk to them on the phone. I enjoy the fellowship of my children. Well, I want you to know whatever enjoyment that I have with my children as far as being alone with them, I want you to know that came from the Heavenly Father because I'm created in His image. And He delights, He delights in being alone with us. One important verse that affirms this is in Zephaniah 3:17. it says, "The Lord your God in your midst the mighty one will save He will rejoice over you with gladness, He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. That whole verse is just a picture of our heavenly Father delighting in his children and in delighting in the relationship that he has with his children. So when I realized that about the Father, my motivation for Not only was it a privilege, but here was a father who wanted to be with me, who delighted to be with me because he delights in me. And then another truth that I discovered that became very important to being consistent in my prayer time was worshiping and praising our Heavenly Father for who he is and who we are to him fills our soul with his spirit. Have you ever heard Nehemiah other places where it talks about the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. If you want to avoid losing heart, you need the joy of the Lord. Well, how do you get the joy of the Lord? Well, the scripture is very clear that when we worship and praise our Heavenly Father for who He is, we are filled with His Spirit. (laughs) In His presence is filled fullness of joy rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice in ephesians 5 paul said and do not be drunk with wine i guess wine drinking i've never drank wine or any other alcoholic beverage recreationally i've never done that but i hear that drinking alcoholic beverage can cause a measure of temporary joy in people but he says don't be drunk with wine But be filled, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. It's better than wine, apparently. It says being drunk with wine is an absolute waste, is what it says, because you don't feel great the next day, right? But be filled with, and you know what it says right after that? It tells us how. How do you get filled with the joy of the Lord? Speaking, it says, to one another. It could be translated speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. I'm telling you, I discovered early on that worshiping and praising our Heavenly Father for who He is and who we are to Him fills our soul with His Spirit, and so it fills our soul with His joy, and it fills our soul with what? His strength. And what do you need when you're tempted to lose heart? (laughs) You need His strength. Well, I experience that nearly every day. (laughs) You know, my, my time is early in the morning. And my place, weather permitting, is outside of our house, walking in my neighborhood while it's still dark. And my plan... My plan is to begin my time with the Lord by telling him what's on my heart or praising and worshiping him. It it differs from day to day. It depends on how much burden I wake up with in the morning. If I wake up with a heavy burden, I say, Lord, I need to talk to you about what I'm feeling right now. But always as a part of my prayer, and normally it happens right at the beginning, as I begin my walk, I begin to worship and praise the Lord. It happened just yesterday. <laughs> I was walking and, and, and I thought about a song that I hadn't listened to a, for a while. It's called uh, He Will Reign" by Dennis Jernigan. Hmm. I began to sing that song unto the Lord in the midst of this difficulty that we're in right now and the challenges that we're in and all the things that we're going through. And I just began to sing that song as I was walking through my neighborhood. He will reign. He will reign. <laughs> Name above all names. He will reign. And I want you to know, as I was walking in my neighborhood, I began to dance. I began to dance unto the Lord as I'm walking through my neighborhood in the dark. Because why am I dancing? I'm, not, I'm dancing because... I am experiencing the joy of the Lord in my soul, and I can't contain it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh man, I was—I just had an incredible time. In fact, that song—I—I listened to it on my on my phone and sang along with it as I was going through my neighborhood. You know, I hope I didn't wake anybody up that was still sleeping. But as I was doing that, I was just experiencing the joy and the strength of the Lord. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so when I discovered that worshiping and praising our Heavenly Father for who He is and who we are in Him fills our soul with His Spirit, I want you to know that went a long ways for me becoming consistent in prayer. I mean, who wouldn't want to pray if it's a great privilege that's been given to just us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we know that the Heavenly Father loves to spend time alone with us much more than we could ever enjoy spending time with our own children, and I love that, and if we know that we're gonna be filled with the Spirit as we pray. Now, I think you can see why it was so important to the Lord Jesus in his time with the Father. Why he rose early Why he went out at evening and spent time alone with the Father? You see, he knew all of these things, and now I've revealed them to you. What are you going to do with it, church? You know, the Lord is shaking the economic foundations of the world. No question about that. And we don't know exactly how much shaking is going to happen, but it's it's happening. He's also shaking the ecclesiastical foundations of the church, the way we do discipleship. It's been shaken, and God's got a plan that he wants us to buy into, and it's the plan of the Lord Jesus. But the Lord right now, I believe, has given me this message to speak to you because I believe the Lord is using this circumstance to shake the spiritual foundation of our personal relationship with the Lord. That shaking is exposing in some just how weak our personal connection is to him. He wants so much more, (laughs) he wants so much more in that personal connection than what many of us are giving to him. Will you give it? Will you give it? That's what he's using me to call you to do today. Establish that personal connection with him. You know, Revelation 3.20 is used often in evangelism but it's really not written to the lost. It's written to the church and here's what it says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Church, he wants to meet with us. He wants to spend time with you. Will you give him that time? Let's all do it together. And let's be a mighty army together. Of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who are strong in the Lord. I'm going to ask at this time that uh, Justin Walter and Brandon Werner would come, and they're going to lead us in some directed prayers. So please stay with us as they lead us in these prayers. And then this Wednesday night, Brandon and I will be discussing this message in another live stream at 6:30. Right? Come on up, Brandon. Justin.
1: What an encouraging word from the Lord this morning as we've heard this message on prayer and our role in prayer and what God accomplishes in us through prayer. And we wanna invite you now, um, our worship pastor, Scott Sanders, is here with us. He's gonna begin to play the piano and we're gonna worship the Lord a little bit together. And we wanna invite you right from your living room right now to worship the Lord with us through prayer. And as we pray here together, Just follow the spirit of the Lord in your prayers. We just encourage you, pray out loud to the Lord as he leads you to pray. Pray in your heart to the Lord as he leads you to pray, but in this time, focus on the Lord, knowing that he loves you, that he has favor towards you. He delights in being with you. So let's pray these prayers as the Lord leads.
2: Well, good morning, church. Um, We would love to be together this morning. Um, This is a good alternative, but it's nothing like greeting each other and giving each other a hug. So let's pray this morning that God's love would flow through, through us and be felt right now by each of us through this time of prayer. We know right now, church, that parents are having a difficult time with their children at home and in just a whole different circumstance. Um, we know that they have to disciple their children to love God more and that the love that they need to show their children is sometimes hard. We just pray. Let's pray this morning. Let's pray for the parents and for peace and homes while there is a shelter in place in our city. God's been using these difficult circumstances to draw people to himself. He wants us to cooperate with him by loving our neighbors and loving our family and drawing in the lost. So I just, let's pray church that God would add to our church and our groups as we love others well. and in a time where we can't meet with others that in person that you would bring your spirit Church, we know that God is sovereign in all things and he's in control of all things in that he is the one who takes care of us and provides for us. I just, I just want us all to pray this morning. Let's just worship God in thanking him for loving us and caring for us and let's declare that we trust in him. And that's one of those powerful prayers that Pastor Jerry was talking about, when we declare the truth in our prayers.
1: now, we delight in your presence as we declare our trust in you. We thank you, God, that you are good, that you are in control, Lord, that you are our strength. God, we declare how much we need you. Lord, we need you. Every day, every hour, God, we need you, Lord, give us the stirring in our hearts the resolve in our souls to seek you daily, to know you through prayer so that we will not lose heart. We trust you, Jesus, with our lives, with our future, with this nation, with all the things that can cause discouragement. We trust you with them all. We give them to you this morning. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Before you exit the live stream, I'm going to ask Justin Warner to come. And uh, we have a few important announcements to give you this morning. We want to help you stay connected with our church. And the best way for you to do that is through our Right Now announcement page. If you have a second device available, we encourage you, grab that phone, that tablet, that computer, whatever it is, and use that device. Um, right now and go visit our right now announcement page. Um, And then uh, we wanna make sure that you stay connected to our live streams. Uh, Right after this one, we're gonna start a five minute countdown timer on a separate live stream but right here on our Facebook page. And this one's for the Bible Zone kids, and it'll be starting right after this service ends. So look for that live stream. Gather your children in your living room. Share that link with other children in other homes, and let's have this special time of studying the Bible together with our children this morning. And then our small groups will be meeting online this week. And we want you to stay connected with our small groups this week as they meet online. If you're not already part of a small group, the easiest way to join one is on that Right Now announcement page. You can email me. Um, I'm our small group and discipleship pastor, and I would love to help you get connected uh, to one of our online small groups. So take advantage of that or just call our church office at 405-634-1454.
3: And if you're interested in leading a small group, we have a Next Gen Leader training coming up. An interest meeting is going to be online on April 5th, so go check out our Right Now announcement page for information on that. We also have a new sermon series starting next week. It's called The Finale, and it's a look at the end times. And the Bible says a lot about this. Jesus said a lot about the end times, and it's important that we know and listen to that. So Pastor Jerry will be bringing that new sermon series next week. And then Justin Walter is gonna come up, and he has a virtual men's breakfast of champions coming up. So Justin, tell us about that.
2: So next Saturday, we've decided that we aren't gonna cancel men's ministry, we're gonna continue it. Now, while we all can't be together for that, what I would encourage you is next Saturday at 8.30, we are going to meet. It'll be a live stream. We'll send out a link for it. Um, It'll it'll be less than an hour. It won't be very long. Um, But I encourage all of you to cook some breakfast and have some coffee ready and join us for that. Is there an essential breakfast item that men need? Yeah, bacon.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And then whatever else you want to have with that. But make sure you get some bacon for that meeting. All right. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate Justin and his leadership in our men's ministry. We also want to invite you to stay invested. um, And we want to encourage you to do that by bringing in your tithes and offerings to the Lord's church. And we want you to know that as, as we give together, as we invest in the advancement of the kingdom together, uh, then the Lord uses that in the life of our church um, as we love people well. And there's a lot of people to love right now. There's missionaries all over the world and our nation and our city that our church is supporting through those gifts. And we wanna continue to send them those gifts in this difficult season as they continue to work to advance the gospel and make disciples. And then also, we are loving people well right here in our own church family and in our small groups. There's a benevolent account, and every gift that is given through our church, a portion of that gift is designated to those benevolent accounts so that we can help meet the needs of people in our city, in our congregation, in our church, in small groups. And boy, is that a need right now. And if you feel led by the Lord, in addition to your tithes and offerings, as you bring those in uh, to God's church, we want to encourage you that you could also designate a gift to the COVID-19 Relief Fund. You can find that on our homepage at westernhillschurch.com. Just scroll down and click that button. All of the monies given to that fund will go to help people who right now are experiencing need because of the various uh, economical burdens that are happening due to COVID-19.
3: We also want you to stay informed. So how do you do that? Go to our Right Now announcement page and join us by text 1. You can do that by simply texting at WHCOKC to the number 81010, and that should be below me on the screen. So join us on our text there. You can sign up for our emails. You can like our Facebook page to stay informed, and you can call our church office, and Janie will answer that at 405-634-1454. If you miss those text digits, you can find those on the right now announcement
1: page as well. Well, we are a church without walls. The Lord has led us to be His church and to be on mission uh, to follow not only to not only proclaim the the message of Jesus to the world, but to use His method and the method Jesus used was relational discipleship. And we just want to encourage you this week in your small groups, in all the ways the Holy Spirit stirs your heart for ministry, in your time with the Lord personally to be his church, to love God and love others well, and to go and make disciples who will make disciples. Let's do that together and be a church without walls. Pastor Jerry, do you have something that you're going to close us with? All right, this concludes our live stream. We invite you to join us here in just a few moments as we launch the Bible Zone live stream together. And there will be a baptism after that Bible's own live stream. So stick around for that third live stream today. It'll be a very short one as we celebrate a baptism together. Thank you.